Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast, presented by SeatGeek. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers that cover the NFL on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Aaron Summers. Welcome to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Aaron Summers. The Saints are back at practice today, practicing Thursday through Saturday before heading to Tampa on Sunday for their Monday night football matchup with the Bucks on ESPN. The first injury report for the game came out Thursday afternoon. 15 Saints players were listed, with linebacker Pete Werner participating for the first time in almost a month. Cornerback Marshawn Lattimore was another limited participant for the second week. Not participating was tight end Jawan Johnson, safety JT Gray, cornerback Bradley Roby, defensive end Peyton Turner, and safety PJ Williams, all due to injuries. Defensive tackle Condavia Street, wide receiver Kevin White, and defensive tackle Malcolm Roach were out sick. The next injury report will be out around 3 o'clock Central Friday afternoon. Regardless of who was in or out, defensive end Cam Jordan spoke to the media on the importance of this matchup after practice on Thursday. This individual game, it's the most important game because it's the next game. It doesn't matter the opponent. Right now, we have to win. Or we're going to be sitting with the same place we were at the end of last year outside of the playoffs, and that's not where we want to be. We have a chance, and we have to be able to capitalize upon that. This is the second meeting between the Bucks and the Saints this season, the first one neck and neck until the fourth quarter. Here's cornerback Alante Taylor. You know, the passion um, and, you know, the physicality on uh, playing fast. You know, they have some guys who are going to be playing this game that didn't play last game, uh, vice versa, you know. And so, um, you know, a good team, um, you know, obviously leading in the division. But, uh, you know, we have confidence in ourselves and we know that we can go out there and compete with those guys. And like I said, we're just trying to get a win under our belt. Could you, could you feel that intensity of that rivalry in that first game? <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, throughout the week, really. Um, the game really just kind of put the exclamation point on it. Uh, but throughout the week, just kind of seeing the focus of everybody um, and seeing you know, how much it meant to everybody. Uh, and that's kind of how it was today at practice. Everybody was focused. Everybody was dialed in. Uh, so I'm just kind of feeling that again. But, you know, this time hopefully we get a win. On the podcast today to talk about this Bucks and Saints rivalry, how it's becoming more of one over the past couple seasons, is Karen Loftus. She worked here in New Orleans for WGNO and is now in Tampa for WFLA. So she's got good perspective on both of these teams. Let's bring Karen in now. Karen, thank you so much for joining me on the New Orleans Saints podcast. I appreciate you joining us. You have good background covering the Saints here before you moved to Tampa and now covering the Bucks. How are you doing as we approach this game? Yes, Aaron, thank you so much for having me on. It's so nice to, to talk about these Saints-Bucks games, as you mentioned, just having the background in both, you know, just history with both teams. Um, you know, I'm always excited for, for this matchup, just having seen what the matchup looks like on both sides of it, from being, you know, covering the Saints and now covering the Bucks, and and just how this, matchup and now seems to be more of a rivalry now has has evolved over the past several years yeah it's interesting that you bring up the word word rivalry because for saints fans i think they would look at the falcons as their rival but this match right. it seems like it's gotten more and more intense over the years and i feels like it's approaching rivalry status i mean you covered it for three years before moving to Tampa. Now you've been there for going into your third season. So you've had a lot of experience with this matchup. How would you qualify it? 
I would say exactly what you said. Like when I was in New Orleans, it was like their division rival was the Falcons. Mm. But I think a lot of when you talk about a rivalry is, you know, who's the team you need to beat to win your division. And when Tom Brady got here, it was sort of like, okay, that's the team that we need to beat and vice versa. You know, the Bucs are looking at the Saints as like, this team has had our number for however many years. So the Bucs looked at it that way as this is the team we need to beat to get to our goal. But then the Saints still looked at them as the Bucs team that didn't make the playoffs and didn't have winning records. Um, so I think you have both of those. But then on the Bucs side too, going into the first matchup of this season in week two, Todd Bowles was saying, you know, it's not really a rivalry if they've beaten you like every time in recent history. So the Bucks, you know, in the regular season, because of course the Bucks did win the one in the postseason in 2020. But I think it's all of those things mixed together. And then you have those underlying, you know, personal rivalries, if you will, with Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore, which has undeniably been a personal rivalry for years. Yeah, let's talk about the Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore rivalry. It came up yesterday in our locker room. Marshawn Lattimore not speaking. He's still working back from his injury, but it was brought up and players talked about it. They just said it's because those two are so competitive they're, and they're so good at their positions. What have you seen from that matchup? Yeah, and it's, again, talking about having seen it on both sides too, because this goes back to you know, when I was covering the Saints and it was always just been a hot topic and the one-on-one matchup you had to had to watch. If you're going to watch something off the ball, like watch mm-hmm. what these guys do. And that's the same sentiment in on the Buck side now is what, what you just said, the, the physicality and the competition. When you get two elite players at their positions, they want to be the best. They want to win their matchups. They want to be the one helping their team win the game. They're physical, they're competitive. And I think that's what you see on the field. Yeah, it sounds like all signs are pointing to Lattimore returning to the field for this Monday night matchup, which would just make it even more exciting knowing what happened the last time those two were on the field. That first game, it was so close until the fourth quarter. It was 3-3. And then you have the turnovers that happened and things kind of got out of hand. The Bucks ended up winning. What do you think this one is going to come down to? I think it's going to be turnovers again. I think we can expect another low scoring affair as, as we've seen in, in recent history with these two teams. And, and this was something that I was asking them about yesterday is the, the turnovers. And I asked Devin White about it. I said, you know, you guys had such success against the Saints with a season high, five takeaways. And that was in a stretch in the beginning of the season for the Bucs when they were just playing so well on defense. They had nine takeaways in the first four games. But since then, it's dropped off for them. They had five straight with no takeaways. And they've only had two takeaways in their last seven games. So you're looking at this Bucks team that is hungry mm-hmm. to get takeaways. And then you're looking at a Saints team that has – a league high 21 giveaways and minus 14 turnover differential. So I said, Devin, do you look at this as an opportunity for not only you guys as a defensive unit to just get back in the groove with takeaways and exploit something that's a weakness for the saints? And he said, absolutely. He said, this is a matchup where most likely 
whoever wins the turnover battle is going to have a lot better chance of winning this game. And Todd Bowles echoed that too, that, that turnovers are going to, to be key. And, and even better for the Bucks is if you can get a turnover that leads to points, get another pick six, because as we've seen with the Bucks, one of the things that they're struggling with is scoring points. So the best case scenario for the Bucks, they get turnovers and several turnovers. And if one of them can lead to some points, then you're in even better shape. You, you mentioned the the points and the lack of scoring this season down 40% from last year. What has been the biggest you know thing that you put your finger on, on the, on the reason why? I think a lot of it is execution. And for whatever reason, Tom Brady and Mike Evans haven't been on the same page. And Todd Bowles said that he said, we're not on the same page and you can see it. And just speaking to last game against the Browns, Tom Brady targeted Mike Evans nine times and Mike only had two catches. Like that's very uncharacteristic. And you're talking about two veteran players who are in their third year together. And that's just an uncharacteristic thing. And then you talk about injuries too, which yes, every team has injuries, but when you're going into the season and you have essentially three number one receivers and Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Julio Jones, and then you also have the fourth with Russell Gage, there have not been many games where I actually don't even know if there's been all, all four of them healthy in one game. I'd have to double check that. But even just speaking of the, the top three, that, those three have not been healthy at the same time for much of this season. And think about how much of an added dynamic that adds. And I was asking Mike Evans about this yesterday. I said, gosh, you guys, you and Julio and Chris are finally all healthy. You talk about Julio being able to draw double teams and Mike Evans also, that just opens up so much more. Mm. And then you talk about, there's so many layers to this. Then you talk about the shuffle that they've had on the offensive line. You know, you lose your starting center in Ryan Jensen in training camp. Robert Hainsey has done a wonderful job stepping in, but then Donovan Smith, your left tackle missed several games. And then you have Josh Wells stepping in for him. Now Tristan Wirfs is out and you have Josh Wells stepping in for him at right tackle. So you talk about that in regards to how that impacts your run game and the trickle down effect from there and not being able to establish the run and then not being able to carry out the game as you had scripted. So the, the, I know it's a lot of things and there's probably more things that I'm forgetting, but it's just a culmination of things that have just prevented the Bucks from being able to be productive on first and second downs. And then they're in third and longs and they've been not great on third downs. So. Yeah. You mentioned the offensive line and it, it started the season, you knowing that that was going to be an area that they were going to struggle with because of the injury, as you, as you mentioned to Jensen, um, they were kind of revamping, revamping that position group anyways. And then you add in Worth's getting injured in overtime this last weekend, who's going to step up in place of him? So Josh Wells should be the dude there. Um, and as I mentioned, he also filled in at left tackle early in the season. He got hurt and now he's coming in for Tristan Wirfs and he actually filled in for Wirfs last postseason. He came in, Wirfs got hurt in the Eagles game in the wild card round. Midway through the Eagles game, Josh Wells came in and then Wells played in their next game, the divisional round, their loss to the, to the Rams. So he has experience there. The guys seem to trust him. You know, the tough thing for him is that Tristan Wirfs is so elite. And, you know, total respect to Josh Wells, but anybody else 
that comes in after Tristan Wirfs, I mean, there's going to be a drop-off because he's just so good at his position. So I was talking to Josh yesterday in the, the locker room and he said he was ready. And he said, you know, I just have to do what I can do, not try to be somebody else, just be fundamentally sound, do my thing. And then you talk about, you know, how they're going to maybe bring pieces in around. If you're talking about bringing more tight ends to help block in the run game, if you're talking about co um, and Kate Otten helping there in the blocking or even running backs, just coming in and chipping, you know, it's co- collective effort, I think is going to be the direction they're going to go with the run game. It's league worst over there at the bucks. The passing game though, has been very good. Brady's still very effective, putting up over 265 yards a game. What has been the difference in his game and his approach this season and may, maybe why those yardage, the yardage isn't, you know, turning into points. I think some of it has to do with early mistakes in the game. Um, there were a couple just unfortunate things like Rashad White fumbled a, um, a kickoff early, you know, just certain things that get them behind to begin games. And then you sort of get away from your scripts and how you're going to start your game. And like I said before, just not being able to stay on the field, just very um, not good. They haven't been good at third down. So if you're not staying on the field and being able to sustain drives, you know, that's where you run into trouble. But then you see bright spots like in the Seahawks game where they string together these long drives and you're like, okay, this is like what you've been looking for. So it's there. I think it just goes back to what I said earlier about the the execution. Sure. Tom Brady is somebody that everybody pays attention to, whether you're a sports fan, a Bucks fan, you know, it's just a popular person in the media. And there's been a lot of stories that came out prior to the season, throughout the season surrounding him. What has it been like for you being there and covering all of it and being able to talk to him, kind of see how he's handled it? Yeah, Tom Brady is just the ultimate professional in his press conferences, the way he carries himself in practices from what you hear from his teammates and anything that's going on off the field, he very much compartmentalizes it. You know, it's very much about business and his job and how he can help his team win and how he can get all the guys on the same page and how he can be better, how he can help his teammates be better. And that's really what I've seen from him is just the ultimate professional in dealing with wins and losses and everything, all the practices in between. This is a big matchup for both teams with the way the NFC South is. As far as the standings go, the Saints still are in it just a game and a half back. It's It's been wild each week to say that regardless of how things have gone, you're still in it. It's December and you still have a chance at the playoffs. How just different is it to cover a season like this? So it's kind of peculiar because I've been, you know, personally, I've been spoiled with, you know, teams that have been very good when I was there covering the Saints. They had great seasons deep into the playoffs. And then coming here, you know, my first year, the Bucs won the Super Bowl. And then last year, they make it to the playoffs. And so you're looking at this year, and it's kind of peculiar because you look at the wins and losses, and you're like, man, I've covered a lot of losses this year. And you can feel that as media, you, you know, you're in those losing locker rooms and the practices throughout the week the line of questioning is different everything um but there's still the bucks are still in contention to win the division as you mentioned so it's strange because you're looking at their record and 
and everything that happens in these games. But as Larry Foote said, the, the co-defensive coordinator for the Bucks, he goes, you know, I've, I've emphasized to these guys, this is a golden opportunity, you know, that you can still have your goals ahead of you. You win your division, you get into the playoffs, you figure it out from there. And your ultimate goal is still very much alive. So you have no idea what's going to happen between now and the end of the regular season with what six games left that, and then speaking to the, the other teams in the division that still have their hopes alive, everything's still very much alive for these teams. But again, it's, it's peculiar because of the records. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, time's winding down and I think it's going to be a really important game Monday. And I think we'll see that on the field in the way that these teams play the intensity that they bring to this matchup. When you were here covering the saints, what did you enjoy about new Orleans or the fan base covering this team here? The home games at the Superdome were absolutely unreal. The energy, the fans, the, the Houdat chant in the beginning, it's electric. And I always tell people, if you get a chance to go to a Saints home game, try. Because it's just unlike anything else. It's so loud. The energy is unmatched. And it's like you're in the dome, so it's louder. And then if you get a chance to go to a playoff game, even better. Because if you go to a regular season game, I was like, wow, this is really loud. And then you go to a playoff game and you're like, whoa. Like, I'm actually pretty sure... No, I definitely wore earplugs. So when I was at, at GNO there, I was shooting the game. So I was on the field with the camera. And I'm like picturing now I'm like remembering this. I'm, I think I have a picture of me like wearing earplugs because it's that loud. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked to some of our photographers, videographers here, and they said that sometimes it gets to that point where they've had to start wearing earplugs because it's just constant. And I know when we're in practice and we hear them kind of pump in the crowd noise, it's deafening. And I, it's hard to imagine that that's actually what it is like on the field, but it really is. It's a wild thing to think about that you have all of that noise surrounding you and you have to focus on, on what you're supposed to be doing there on the field. It's a lot going on. You mentioned you covered the Super Bowl for the Bucks. You also covered a national championship with LSU. How did the two I sure compare? did. How did the two compare? Oh my gosh. So I feel like you can't really compare them. So the biggest difference was that the Bucks Super Bowl was COVID. So it was very unique in that like Super Bowl Media Day was Zooms and that whole season was Zooms. And that was just a very unique thing, but absolutely incredible. The season they, they have, just storybook season. I mean, Tom Brady leaves. New England to come to Tampa Bay and brings Gronk and they get all of these pieces and it's like this dream team and they overcome all of the hurdles that COVID presented better than any other team it seemed and they came together made the run in the playoffs and then they win the Super Bowl in their home stadium for the first team to do that unreal and then so the LSU national championship was one of my very last assignments um, cause that was in January of 2020 and that was wild. Cause you think about that's sort of a home game for LSU, you know, it's in new Orleans and LSU's in Baton Rouge, but for all intents and purposes, everybody in new Orleans is an LSU fan. So that was Joe Burrow's Heisman season, just absolutely 
incredible. Like I, I was able to go, um, Bobby O and I went up to New York to cover the Heisman Trophy ceremony with Joe Burrow. And just, again, another storybook season where you're talking, you know, there in the discussion, is that the best college football team of all time? Um, so those were, honestly, when you're talking about like top career moments, top things that sure. you've gotten to cover, those are the ones you look back at and be like, wow, like that was once in a lifetime. And to be in our position of the media, to, to be able to ask the questions and be involved in that capacity, it's just like a really special thing. Definitely. It's been a lot of fun covering both of these teams here. I cover the Pelicans and the Saints. It's been great getting to know the fan bases here. They're very passionate, and I know that trickles over to LSU. I mean, that's a whole nother level over there in Baton Rouge. So I'm sure you enjoyed your time here. Thank you so much for spending some time talking about the Bucks in this upcoming matchup, and I look forward to seeing you this weekend. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Erin. Appreciate Karen joining us today. And don't forget to head to NewOrleansSaints.com for interviews, pictures, and stories heading into this Monday's matchup. There are also a lot of contests to play under the Fan Zone tab on our website. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek.